don't know about you, but I love freedom. I love being free. I don't like restraints put upon me. The minute I feel limited by something, I just want to break out of it. Let's think outside of the box. Let's not limit ourselves, right? Part of that's a a maverick attitude in me. Part of that's a self-reliance in me. And part of it, quite frankly, is a rebellious spirit in me. What do you think about when you think about freedom? I think for many of us, we think of freedom as the ability to do whatever I want. Right? If I can do whatever I want, I am inherently free. What if that's not the case? In fact, isn't it true that when you think of a lot of people who do whatever they want, they actually end up less free? Some classic examples, right? Somebody who drinks too much because they wanted to. Then it becomes an addiction. And now, the thing that originally was doing whatever I want, I'm now less free because I have to have it to deal with emotions, deal with disappointment, to feel good about myself at a party. And because I'm now leaning into whatever I want, I'm addicted to the point I start losing relationships, losing money, losing the ability to cope with reality in a healthy way, right? Okay, let's take something that's not alcohol or or maybe a, a drug addiction. How about something good like business? I want to excel. I want to be ambitious, right? That's a great thing. I'm going to do whatever I want or whatever it takes to climb my way to the top. However, if you only do whatever you want to get to the top, how many of us know what it's like in our pursuit of the top to lose time for any type of recreation, to lose our hobbies? How many of us have lost a marriage, a disconnection with our kids, because we sacrificed everything for the sake of that thing we wanted? Happens all the time. People lose their marriage for the sake of their kids. They lose relationship with their kids because they overemphasize their career. This this idea that freedom is doing whatever you want is a relatively new idea. In fact, it even goes back to the time of Frederick Nietzsche. Frederick Nietzsche said the Christian idea is that there's a certain box by which you could be free. And if you stay in that box, you'll be the freest you can be. And Frederick Nietzsche said, ridiculous. Christianity is trying to hold you back. In fact, he had a mentor that taught him kind of the the concept that he ended up using against Christianity. It was a book. The book was called The Will to Power. And the premise of this philosophy, and you hear it a lot today in the news and otherwise, is that all truth claims are power plays. So anyone who tells you something that's true, they're just trying to get power over you. So when Christianity says there's a right way to live and a wrong way to live, don't believe that that's true. Don't believe they're out to help you. They're trying to make a power play against you. But if that's true, that all truth claims are power plays, then it would also be true that the truth claim that all truth claims are power plays is also a power claim where Nietzsche is trying to get power over you. He's basically saying any restrictions Christianity gives you about how to live a free life, they're just trying to control you. 
Maybe. Or maybe freedom occurs best in a box. Did you know ultimately Frederick Nietzsche lost his mind at the end of his life? And do you know who took care of him during his time of, of despair? His Christian mother. Christian mother cared for him and helped him when he lost his way, doing whatever he want, thinking whatever he want, and giving a, a theory or philosophy that he said would make people freer. It led him to lose his mind. Let me give it to you visually. I think for many of us, we don't like a box. But the Bible says you find the most freedom when you operate in this box. When you live your life, you're going to have better families, better marriages, better companies, better organizations, better friendships when you operate in this box. The box of what's gentle, what's self-controlled, what's loving, what's joyful, what's good, what's peaceful, what's long-suffering or patient and kind. If you will make your decisions within this box, you will be freer all the time. You will experience the best kind of relationships, the best kind of life in the box. Creativity happens best in the box. Life occurs best in this box. In contrast, when you do whatever you want, you end up in jail, imprisoned, because you did whatever you want. You gave in to envy. You didn't end up more free but less. You gave in to adultery, and it felt like freedom for a little bit, and then you found yourself walled in, betraying and not becoming the person you wanted to be. And a relationship built on mistrust, like adultery, doesn't lead to a relationship where you can trust each other because you both betrayed someone else. Hatred, contentions, drunkenness, divisions, lewdness, selfish ambition. These things that basically feel like selfish doing whatever I want lead to bondage. So today I want to give you three aspects about freedom that we find in the book of Galatians on how to live the most free life you can inside of this box and how to not get trapped with the lie that these things make you more free. I'll start in Galatians. Galatians chapter 6 says this, or chapter 5 rather. We, we all have a box. We all have certain parameters by which we operate in. In Galatians 5, it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. God wants you to be free. God wants you to experience freedom. God wants you to have the best kind of life. All right? Only in your freedom, do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. Okay. What's he saying here? God gave you free will. God gave you freedom. And you can use that gift as an opportunity for the flesh, which is a way of saying self-centeredness. You can follow what you think is best, and that path will lead to destruction. It will lead to bondage. Or you can use the liberty, because God's called you to liberty. He wants you to have the freest life and the best life. But though you've been called to liberty, do not use your freedom as an opportunity just to serve yourself. Think of it this way. Imagine you're an athlete, right? So I was a, still am a, a soccer player. I water ski, I downhill ski, and I play sand volleyball. 
So if you think of whatever sport you trained in or your kids trained in, the best athletes operate in a box. Instead of doing whatever I wanted with my schedule, I limited my options to go to practice, to work drills out, right? If I'm juggling in soccer, to go over and over, spike, pass, 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 pass. You limited yourself to a box of where you put your time and energy. And because you limited yourself, you actually were more free when you played a game because you were better at scoring, better at assisting, better at smashing the ball into somebody's face, right? You became better or freer to be the best athlete you could be because you first limited yourself in your options. Now, the same thing is true as a musician. The best musicians who make the best music spent years of their life limiting their options. They wanted to go out and play, wanted to go hang out with friends, but instead they just kept practicing those notes, just kept working those chord charts, just kept strumming that guitar. By limiting themselves, putting themselves in a box, they used their freedom in a limited way so they could develop the skills to become the best version of themselves. That's the idea he's getting at here. The same thing's true of love. If you do whatever you want in the context of love, date whoever you want, sleep around whoever you want, you might say, I'm free. But you're not going to find what happens in the box of faithfulness. And at some point you're dating somebody, right? And you came to a place you want to make it exclusive. There's something about, let's create a box where we commit to one another, where we work through difficulty with one another. Your heart longs for the true freedom, the deeper freedom, the deeper relationship that occurs inside of the box of love and patience and self-control. In fact, I read an interview recently about that. It's uh, Christian Slater. I don't know if you remember, Christian Slater was in a lot of movies. But then he kind of disappeared for a while. This was an interview about his journey. He said early in his career, when things were going incredibly well, he gave himself over to fame. And he had plenty of it. Fame everywhere. And he said he wasn't sure exactly how to handle it. He wasn't sure who he was supposed to be as a, as a famous person. Well, it was during that time, he had several mentors he would watch. And he had a pretty famous actor, I think it was Robert De Niro, who he watched just treat his fans really, really poorly. Just acted like a jerk, didn't give autographs out, and just kind of stumbled through thinking he was all that. And Christian Slater was watching this person who was doing whatever he wanted, giving himself over to fame, was really a selfish, arrogant guy. But he's like, I guess that's what you do. So Christian Slater started doing the same thing. I don't have to put up with these requests for autographs. After years of this, he said, man, doing whatever I want, not serving other people, taking care of other people, not caring about my fans... I didn't like the person I was becoming. In fact, I hated the person I became. Giving myself to fame and doing whatever I wanted, I became someone I despised. So he left Hollywood for a while. He headed down to, um, the I think it was the Keys down in Florida. He's down there and he met somebody. And this woman began to just challenge him on a new kind of life. What does a faithful life or committed to one another look like? In fact, he happened to be down there one day, and he was a huge Billy Joel fan. And Billy Joel happened to come into this uh, bar restaurant they were in. 
And somebody yelled at Billy Joel, hey, can you still play and sing the way you used to? Let's hear some Piano Man. And sure enough, Billy Joel was there. Christian Slater came over, and the two of them duet sang all evening um, the Piano Man together. And there was just this kind of new freedom that came in trying to care for one another, love for one another. And then this relationship, he was supposed to stay in this little town for just a night while this woman he was dating was finishing up some things. They kept staying there for many, many years. And it's in the context of this relationship, he said, I began to find a new way of doing life that wasn't addicted to fame. And I was becoming a better version of myself by putting himself inside of a different box, not pursuing fame at all costs, but loving someone else. I'll have a box. But secondly, we need to expand our box because we need a bigger one. Now, what do I mean by a bigger one? What the Bible offers is a box. It's, it's a box, without a doubt, but it's a big box. And if you operate in this big box, you become the best version of yourself. Now, look what he says in Galatians. Brethren, you've been called to freedom. God wants you to have freedom. But don't use your freedom for selfishness. That's too small of a box for opportunities for the flesh. Instead, bigger box. Not the self-centered flesh box, but through love serve one another. If you put the parameters of your freedom, how do I use my freedom to love and serve others? If that's your box, you will become the person you want to be. That's your box. For all the law, everything you've ever heard in the Bible, everything you've ever heard in any religion or philosophy can be summed up this way. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's a box. You want to talk about the other box? What's the flesh box look like? He says, well, the opposite would be, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. So what's he doing there? He's defining two boxes. One big box is do whatever it takes to love and serve others, and you will find freedom. Smaller box, do whatever you want. Think freedom comes from doing what you want, and you will bite and devour one another to get to the top, and it's all about me all the time. What will happen? Are you going to be freer? Oh, temporarily you'll have some gains, without a doubt. Will you become the person you want to be? What's the word he uses? No. Beware of that box. It promises all kinds of things. But what ends up? You become consumed by one another. Do you want to be in a family that's always biting each other? Do you want to live in a company that's always betraying one another? Do you want to be in a place that no one cares about your feelings, only their own? No. It's not going to produce the best companies. It's not going to produce the best marriages. It's not going to produce the best of life. So whatever box we have, in one sense, our box currently is too small because it's about us. Little mini-me's, you know. The little mini-me box that I'm defining myself and what I do. The bigger box. God, how can I use my gifts, my talents, my opportunities to serve you and to serve others? That's the idea he's getting at here. What would that look like? And one of my favorite uh, books is by C.S. Lewis. It's called The Great Divorce. It's about a group of people who have given themselves over to things and they get consumed by it. One lady is in heaven in the book talking to an angel and she's given her life over to complaining. 
well, you know, life's always been too hard on me. Life's always been too bad. You're not going to believe. Now, what I do is always a black cloud over my head. And she has nagged and complained her whole life. Always the Eeyore, always the victim. Life's always given her the short end of the stick. And it says, because of her constant complaining, there came a moment that she could no longer distinguish between herself and her nagging. Herself and her, be- her complaining. She became what she did. One long rambling complaint. See, you become what you meditate on. If you focus only on self, you will become consumed with becoming a person. A shriveled up version of yourself stuck in the box of self. In fact, in the uh, book by C.S. Lewis, there's a scene where they find Napoleon. He lives way away from us. In fact, it's a, it's a location of hell in the book. And hell expands because everybody hates each other. And they just keep moving away from each other because nobody can stand each other. Well, Napoleon lives way, way, way on the far side of hell. And so they pull out a telescope and they can see him way, way out in the distance where he moved. And all day long he goes up and down the stairs, complaining and blaming everybody else for his failures. And what's the idea he's getting at there? Napoleon gave himself over to not taking responsibility, blaming his generals, blaming the the other nations, and now for eternity, he's become that, a consumed version of who he was meant to be, one big complaint and blame over and over, up and down the stairs. That's the idea. Now contrast that, when you give yourself over to serving and loving each other, your heart expands. Something, something amazing begins to happen in you and around you and with you. In fact, I interviewed my friend Wayne, I guess it was know, almost a year ago now, and Wayne talked about how God was prompting him, nudging him to take this next phase of his life. And as he was studying the Bible and discovering his purpose, he began to invest in people who maybe others hadn't invested in. And he had a guy he was mentoring who had some addictions. He was helping get back on his feet and get a job. He was helping this young man who needed a mentor. And his grandmother needed a car. As he began to tell the story, he said, I began to notice that one of the guys I was mentoring was a mechanic who needed work. The other person had a, a car that couldn't afford a lot and needed repairs. And I connected the two together. And I began to see how God was calling me to take time I didn't have, I was busy, energy that I could have invested in, just more pursuits of my own career. I would have told you years ago I didn't have time for this type of thing. But now I realize I, I couldn't have not invested this time. It's the best use of my time. What do I mean? I mean, what he discovered is he was getting more back than what he's investing. Serving other people. Investing in other people. Devoting to one another. He said, by being more generous with my time, which is what? It's really like saying, instead of just focusing on yourself, I'm going to give, be generous with my time and money to others. He says, I'm finding more joy, more freedom, more contentment. Before I would have told you, I don't have time for that because I'm building my career. I'm finding that didn't help me become the person I wanted to be was by expanding my box 
which limited some of my options. Right? I didn't have as much free time because I was investing in people. I am finding incredible joy, incredible purpose, incredible sense that I'm in God's will by following that together. What do you do? Wayne found a bigger box. He began to put his life and his decisions into the box of how can I best serve and love other people, not just myself. So what's the third aspect? Well, the third aspect is we need to learn to walk in God's box because we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves into thinking that there are other boxes that are going to bring us joy and bring us happiness. So this box, there's so much freedom, there's so much options, but you got to walk in it. You got to walk it out. You got to think through that as you make decisions with your money, with your time, with your decisions. What would it look like to walk in the box of goodness and peace and joy as I approach the situation? And not allow yourself to be fooled, because we fool ourselves into thinking other boxes that come with chains and locks are going to bring us freedom. Look how Paul addresses this with the Galatians. When he teaches them how to walk or live or make decisions in this box of selflessness. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. In contrast to living for yourself, you want to live in the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which means patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want you to notice two things here. One, notice it's the fruit singular, even though it comes with all this stuff. And it's not the fruit of your own life, it's the fruit of the Spirit. So I'll talk about that in a second. Two, against such things there is no law. No law. All right, let's look at a couple of those together. Number one, the Bible doesn't say you should try harder to be patient. It doesn't say you need to try harder to be loving and joyful. So in one sense, you're like, well, of course I should. Yes. But have you ever tried? You try and you fail, you try and you fail, you try and you fail. In order to succeed in this, it needs to be the fruit of the Spirit. It's saying, God, I don't have enough patience. I don't have enough peace. I don't have enough joy. I need you to come into my life to fill me up with the fruit I don't have. So you don't work on one and then you work on another. You invite God to get close to you. And by walking around in his box, by depending on his fruit, his work in your life, he begins to produce those things in you. I had a guy in our church who was going through a Bible study. He'd been through a season of his life where he'd made a lot of decisions in a self-centered box, leading to addiction, adultery, betrayal, and pain. So I connected him to a, a friend in our church, and they began to study this passage. As they studied it, he said, I know I'm working really hard at joy this week, and next week I'm working on patience. My friend said, look at that passage. It's not the fruit of your will and your spirit. It's the fruit of his spirit. You don't work on each one. You get close to God and he does the work in you. Oh, I've never seen that before. Right? That's why I'm looking at this. Look again. Fruit of the spirit. God, if if I want to walk in this box, 
I need to learn how to have a relationship with you. I need to invite you into everyday decisions, everyday living, everyday work, right? It's your love and peace I need manifest in my marriage, in my company, in my conflicts. I run out of self-control for that guy or that gal. I need some of your self-control. Remember the other phrase I mentioned? Against such things there is no law. What does that mean? Well, it's actually pretty simple. If you operate in that box, you're never going to have to pass a law. There's never been a society that's had to pass a law. You know what? We're just being too joyful around here. No. You've never had a society who's had to put laws in place because people are being too selfless, too loving, too kind. A contrast that we got laws all through history about the opposite. Don't be cruel. Don't bite. Don't steal. Right? But there's no law because this box is so big, people are freer, people are kinder, marriages are greater. I have never, ever, ever, ever had someone come into my office for a marriage counseling and say, Pastor, my husband's being too kind. Can you talk to him about that? Not once. I've never had a husband come into my office of marriage counseling and say, you know, she's just too patient with me. She's just too patient with me. we got to set some ground rules so she's not so patient. She's just too kind. She's just too good. I never have kids in a family relationship say, you know what the problem with mom and dad is? They're just, they're just encourage me too much. Right? That's this idea he's getting at. There's ne- you're never going to have to limit. You're never going to have to restrain or create some laws if you live in this box. Against such things... There is no law. Now contrast that to living for yourself. If you don't walk around in God's box, you walk around in a self-centered box, you're going to need lots of laws and rules in a society, in a company. HR department's going to be filled with new guidelines. And so is your family. Because we don't walk in the box of God's goodness. We walk around in a different box. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh. We, we, we crucify that self-centered box. We don't walk in that one with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, you've got to do this stuff. You don't just believe it. You do it. You walk in it. You live in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited. Whew. That box. Do whatever you want. It's about me. Conceit. Me, me, me. It's not going to bring you joy. It's not going to bring you freedom. You're going to end up provoking one another, envying one another, and that doesn't create the best version of you, the best version of the company, the best version of a community, or the best version of a nation. Those are the ideas he's getting at. Walk in, make decisions in this box God has for you. The fruit of his spirit. So what would be a way for us to walk in that? What would be a way for us to make decisions in that? Well, let me give you a little verse of the Bible, kind of a key takeaway for today, that might be worth memorizing. What if every time you and I went to make a decision, we just thought through this one verse? We just said to ourselves, I need to use my liberty, right, that was the verse he used, to serve one another. What if every time you came in the door and saw your spouse, He said, how do I use my freedom to serve him or her? What are their needs? How could I anticipate their needs? 
What could I do to bring joy to them, happiness to them? How about during a fight? During a fight, what if you thought to yourself, oh, I got the right, I got the freedom to get mad, I got the freedom to tell them what happened and what they did last week and what they did last month. What if I pause for a second and say, in this conflict, how do I use my freedom, how, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do, to serve the other person, what do they need? Maybe some compassion. Maybe they need me to suffer long under their accusations. Maybe I need to figure out how I could bring them joy. Focus on what's good about them when right now I'm seeing kind of the worst side of them. Okay, let me read that verse again. You, brethren, have been called to liberty, but do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the self or flesh, but through love serve one another. For the next week, every time you're in interaction, every time you go to make a decision, ask yourself, how do I use my freedom to serve others, not serve myself? That's what we're about as a church. And why do we do two services every weekend? Why do people come and greet you at the door? Why do people serve and teach your children? Why do they come in during the week and stuff programs or, or cut out little crafts? Maybe you've been on the receiving end of a lot of people serving you. Right? Your whole career. People invested in you, mentored you. And maybe God's calling you to expand your box. At home, at work, in life. What would it look like for you to run your calendar, to run your checkbook, to run your time management through the box of serving other people? I hope Horizon's not the only place, but I hope it's one of those places. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of people serving you, and you're like, you know, I think I'm going to raise my hand. I want to be a greeter. Or people have invested finances so I could come to a place I could learn or watch online services. I think I'm going to write a check. How can I serve other people? By creating tools for them to grow spiritually or be connected or heal a marriage. You know what? My kids have been enjoying the children's program. People go in and cut crafts. I think I could cut crafts. Or I got my, my, my mom's uh, at home and, and she's kind of a stage of life where there's not a lot going on. I think this would be a great sense of community for her to get connected to other people. I want to suggest that to her. Or maybe I don't want to do the whole craft thing because that's not good, but I could certainly be a greeter. Or, you know, I play guitar. I've never raised my hand, or I'd love to learn how to operate a camera. There are so many different ways as a church you can serve each other here on the weekend. Or maybe it's not here at the church. You want to go down to City Gospel on Sunday nights and serve the homeless. Maybe you want to take a week of your vacation, a week that you spend on yourself, and go down to Belize. You want to go on a a mission trip to some other place to serve other people, to provide services they could never afford. What you're going to find is that every person who goes on a trip like that says the same thing. I received far more than I gave. Whatever it is, let me just pray for you and pray for me that we would begin to see life through that lens of that simple verse. God, how do I use my liberty, not for self, but to serve others? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Each person listening here has incredible time, incredible talents, incredible treasures at their disposal. 
And Father, so often we've used it for self. And Father, we ask for your forgiveness for living such small lives. Will you expand our horizons? Will you prompt us, nudge us, challenge us to give of ourselves to the people around us? Father, will you help us tap into your spirit? God, that we would have access to your resources in all the relationships and decisions we make. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.